Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. I wanted to make the Olympic team at 16 years old. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gents, welcome back to Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is Alan Freed, who was a former NCAA champion for Oklahoma State. But before that, had a high school career that's considered by many as the greatest high school wrestling career of all time. He was a four-time junior national champion and was a three-time Ohio State champion. Here's a stat that really boggles the mind when I read it. I read that Alan Freed didn't wrestle a consolation match or a wrestleback match from the end of his freshman year in high school through his senior year in college. Let that one sink in a little bit. And this conversation is really wide-ranging. We talk about his rivalry with Tom Brands. And just for some context, Freed tech Tom Brands in high school and then wrestled him seven times in college. And Alan Freed only had six losses in college. Five of those were to Tom Brands. We talk about what it's like training with John Smith because Alan had John Smith as a training partner as well as a coach, which is a really unique perspective. And then we also talk about when Alan was training with the Hawkeye Wrestling Club after the 1996 Olympics. That's near the end of the conversation, but it's really fascinating because those are some intense moments because you got to remember, Freed's training at the Hawkeye Club where Tom Brands is now in a coach at Iowa and all the Iowa guys are kind of battling with Freed and it just got really intense. So I'm glad he was able to talk about that. Fan of the week goes to Nigel Story, a follower on Instagram. We appreciate you tuning in, my friend. Thank you. Last but not least, this episode is brought to you by the Wrestling Change My Life store. You can go to store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. We have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, all kinds of stuff. And as you can imagine, all proceeds go to support this fine podcast. Also, if you haven't listened to Gable the Goat, it's our podcast documentary that we released last week. I would highly suggest doing so. It's the first documentary I've ever done, but we've gotten a lot of positive feedback and something I'm really proud of. So, for those of you who have listened, thank you very much. And for those of you who haven't, get on it. Now that's it. Let's give it up for this interview with Alan Freed. Peace! Alan Freed, welcome to the podcast, my friend. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. How are you doing? Good, man. It's it's good to be talking with you. I've, I've read a lot about you and I've heard your name through other other podcasts I've done, whether it's 
Nick Perler or you know Chris Perry or Brands, obviously. And so I'm excited to to chat with you, man. Chris Perry, I knew him. I, he was a little. He was just like a little Chris. He's the younger one. No yeah, way. yeah, he's the young, younger one. Mark is the older one who went to Iowa. Yeah, I knew. Oh man, he was he was like three years old when Mark Perry moved down to moved to Oklahoma State. So did his dad coach you guys when you were there at Oklahoma State? The last two years. That's kind of when the structure After, came in, huh? Some structure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that sophomore year was kind of like, a, well, actually, two years in a row were kind of like uh, discombobulated over there. And then uh, when John took over, he brought in Mark Perry, and yeah, you know, and I guess that was the we didn't wrestle in '93. We didn't have a team in the in there in '93, so they yeah we won it their first year. What a shit show that must have been back then, man. Oh, my God. I, I read about it, and it's like they had one sanction, then they had another one, and like you talk to Nick Perler, it's like he seemed to really get hit hard by it, but it just seemed like never-ending. It was. It really was something to, you don't want to walk into. And I, I kind of look back on it like I was warned by many, many people that that kind of thing could happen, but I just I never figured it would, uh, well, you, you know, something always seems to work out, but it didn't it just sort of got uh worse and worse and then we you know had a had to take that year off and our guys transferred some of the guys could transfer i could have transferred but i didn't want to yeah so let's let's i mean we're going to get back to those days but let's start from the beginning yeah many people describe you as a as a phenom in terms of (laughs) just your unbelievable results um in high school and college but let's start at the beginning, man. Why did you get into wrestling? Uh, well, I got into wrestling through a softball coach. See, I was in the so- I was playing softball. That was pretty much the only organized sport I did from I think about the time I was six or seven. Softball, not even hard, fast pitch softball. <laughs> we weren't allowed to play fast pitch in my neighborhood. <laughs> so it's not like I grew up like uh, in a rough rough uh, situation there so we're playing softball and then one of the softball coaches uh talked to my parents and said he looks like he might be a good wrestler he's really aggressive and uh i tried it and i thought it was going to be pro wrestling i literally thought i was going to get to wear a mask and jump off the top ring rope and the whole thing and i went to a clinic that uh, this was before I started, they took me to a clinic, like, a, I think just a one-day clinic. And I was the kid in the clinic with jeans. I had jeans on at the wrestling camp. <laughs> <laughs> because I had actually had impetigo on the back of my leg. So, uh, you know, like some red bumps. I don't know how I got it, but yeah. whatever it was, it was impetigo. And uh, so I put on jeans instead of, like, sweatpants. Because I just, that's what a 10-year-old kid does, I guess. <laughs> it's like you see those kids and you know i'm sure you got uh maybe some jokes about it but little did they know that you know a couple years later you were winning the pennsylvania state championship and then the ohio like so when did you like when did it transition from hey you went to a clinic it seems fun this isn't pro wrestling to when you were completely all consumed and obsessed by it i didn't i got consumed and obsessed by it after about three years, you know, but, uh, it, I don't, I just, 
I don't know when you're a kid, you just keep, keep going to practice. You know, your parents got you on a schedule and the, the, the coach there lived near us. So he would drive us to practice and it really helped my parents out. And, um, it was, it, it made it convenient. You know, I don't know if it could have happened any other way if we hadn't had a, a coach, the local guy kind of pushing, you know, let's keep going. Let's go to practice again. Let's go again. Let's go to this tournament. And it just, before you know it, you're three weeks in, you've been wrestling and it's like, now this is your life. Right. You know, you're going to practice three nights a week and you're going to a tournament on Saturday. And, uh, that's, that's your life. Were your parents hard drivers or did they kind of let you do, like if you didn't want to do it, they wouldn't push you that hard or were they kind of crazy parents in a sense? No, they were very, very supportive and very cool about everything. Um, the only time my mom made me wrestle or made me get in the car to go to practice was like the, my second year. I wrestled a year. I remember everything about that year. I had my record was 45 and 19 my first year. And I was like, okay, you know, I didn't really want to wrestle a second year. And it came to time. It was probably almost exactly this day, you know, like middle of October mm-hmm. in 1982, I suppose. And, uh, my, I was, my mom was like, all right, I'm going to take you over to Bernie's house. That was the coach's name, Bernie, Bernie Weisskopf passed away a few years ago. Um, you know, he, he brought a lot of, a lot of good wrestlers from the east side of Cleveland down to uh, practice about 25, 30 minutes away over the years and, and built a Longwood YMCA program, which we were pretty tough. Like, I'm kind of rambling. But I, no, no, no. That's what I like, that's what mom, I like about these. You know, it's like that mom, guy. Uh, she said, get in the car. She said, I, I go, I don't want to wrestle again. And she goes, get in the car. And that was it right there. She never like, you know, snapped the whip or anything like that. I, I think that she thought I could be really good. And she was like, yeah, we found something. So get in the dang car. We're going to wrestling practice. And it was no problem after that. You know. I just wanted to keep playing with my next door neighbor. <laughs> Man, you think back to that guy, Bernie. He had a huge impact on your life. Yes, he would. He would probably... The, yeah, he the uh, biggest impact on my life, I suppose, of anybody besides my two parents. I mean, all that dedicated dedication and time, bringing us all. Yeah, totally. And and I mean, he was a hound. You know what I mean? You weren't gonna if he wanted you to do something, you were gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, so yeah. I mean, forty-five and nineteen for your first years. That's one, an okay. unbelievable amount of matches, but two, really good. <laughs> a lot of guys talk about like a 500 record right away, but you were obviously athletic and took to it. So that, that gave you an advantage. And then, um, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about when it kind of became all consuming. I mean, like going into high school, did you have a, a dream of being a four time state champ? Uh, as the high school got, you know, as, yeah. That's what I wanted to do. By the time I hit ninth grade, I definitely wanted to do that. I, I got really consumed with everything in eighth grade. I wanted so bad to win the, you know, the freestyle nationals, the AAU, the grand nationals, whatever it was called. It was always something like in Indiana or, or, or uh, it would be in Nebraska, you know. Mm-hmm. I wanted to win that before I got to high school. I took second in it twice. Um, in Greco, I took second. In freestyle, I took second. 
it was, and I got beat by an Oklahoma kid like every time. And finally in eighth grade, I, you know, I won it. And, uh, I, I learned how to control my diet and I trained really hard from tournament and did all kinds of extra sprinting and work and, uh, just got totally consumed. And I went to the tournament and just like killed everybody. And, uh, I think I won 11 to one in the finals. And I was like, wow, I got, I'm like a national champion. <laughs> I guess I'm like a national, I'm like the national champion. And I won in Greco and I won in freestyle and they had Sambo. So I went in that one too and won that one. Jesus. And I was like, well, why can't I could win state? I mean, I could win state. So I said, you know, whenever I got interviewed, it's like, what are your goals? And I say, like, I want to be a four time state champ. I, what else could I say? Because you can't say, well, I want to be a three-time state champ. Because then you're saying, I would like to lose in the future. So it just didn't make any sense. <laughs> you know. Right. It didn't make any sense to me. So so the high goals was just like more open-mindedness than anything. You know, that you can win. You can do things, you know, that haven't been done. But did you realize at this age that you were unusual in the sense that you were winning at such a at such a high rate um and that you were working well, I, so hard like did you realize that i knew i was i knew i was getting ahead a little bit but there's you know you go to the tournaments and you're not the only stud you may you may be dominating your weight class but there's you know another half dozen maybe not half dozen guys and they're killing everybody but you, there's other people so you just you're kind of competing with them uh, in a friendly way, like guys that aren't in your weight class, but are also winners, mm -hmm. you know? So you're not, you, you don't feel that unusual. You don't see it like that until you get older and you're like, you see groups of kids and you see the real elite wrestling kids and you know, kind of what they do. And you're like, Oh, these, these kids really do stand out. They, you know, they do, they are ahead of the game for now. And you know, you don't see that till you get older and get around, you know, we, well, it seems like coaches your, and, your parents kind of kept you level-headed and just kind of kept you grounded, so it was just business as usual for you. Yeah, I mean, I had to I had to make a big sacrifice when I went to high school. I, you know, I, I lived on the east side of Cleveland, and St. Edwards was on the west side of Cleveland. And St. Edwards is, is a Catholic school, and I was raised Jewish. That's gotcha. uh, yeah, you know, so I was a big sacrifice, you know, just to get up that early put on a tie now, go to an all boys school for four years. You know, I knew some of the guys on the team because I knew them from wrestling, but I didn't know anybody else at school. So it really was like all business. Like when I, I left my house in the morning, it's like six o'clock in the morning to get to school an hour and a half early. And I wouldn't get home till seven thirty at night. It was just like, <laughs> Dang. I was like a like a traveling like a traveling businessman for the week. <laughs> I was begging my just get me an apartment next near the school or something that I could sleep at. But they wouldn't do it. I was too young. Were you serious about that? I if it, no, not really. I didn't, I knew it would never happen. <laughs> but it was like you know like putting it was like. I kind of put on a new face, you know, and even a more serious face than I, I was a goofball with the kids I grew up around, you know, I was, more, I was like going more towards class clown, 
um, type person, you know, always trying to, you know, make everybody laugh and stuff. And then wrestling came in and kind of turned me into a more serious person. Uh, and then when I went to St. Ed's and did all, did all that every day in, in the routine, I was just like, uh, you know, I was like acting like a little adult at school and people didn't really get to know me that well for a while. It took a while because never really hung out with people. I would always just be on the weekends hanging out with my friends on the east side. So it was like school was work. Right. You know? They were and, uh, uh, they were institutionalizing at, at a young age, man. Suit and tie, long days. They were putting you in the machine early on, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good version of the machine, though, for me. Yeah. Were they good I at think, wrestling back then? Oh, St. Ed's! Oh yeah. my God, they were they were like uh, going for their tenth state title when my my fresh during my freshman or sophomore year, tenth state title in a row. So wow. we were on the same path as Iowa. Iowa won nationals in '78, and then they won nine and missed their tenth. And St. Ed's won states in '78 and did ten in a row. Gotcha. So was Gable. Yeah, yeah, so- like an idol to you or like what, what were your thoughts on him? Gable was, yeah, that when I became obsessed and towards seventh and eighth grade, I, I, you know, I focused a lot on Gable. Yeah. I wanted to be the next Gable. And, uh, you know, I read, uh, the book Gifford on courage and the section about Gable. I read that a bunch of times and I read another book about Gable. It had all his matches in the back of the book, all his international matches. And, and, uh, yeah, Gable was the was the focus of it because that's you know not I'm not uh, slamming Gable, but that's pretty much all you got. You know, in the in any kind of mainstream, it only touched Gable really. You know, modern day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially before the internet and you know all the other cast of characters came around, and like even the UFC, which makes stars that are wrestlers now. Um, and our our first national champion from high school was Jimmy Hefner who wrestled at Iowa. So these are guys that I really looked up to. Oh and yeah. Jimmy Heffernan, Jimmy Heffernan, believe it or not, like when I was at the junior nationals, my freshman year in the summer, I needed to make weight for the third day. So I made all American and we could weigh in like that night. And I was, I had like 60 minutes or 90 minutes to get like, all of a sudden, I was like four and a half pounds over, you know, wrestling 105. And uh, I didn't think I was going to be able to make weight. And Jimmy Heffernan, who didn't even really even know me, threw some sweats on me and went outside Northern Iowa Dome and ran me for an hour and got all the weight off in like an hour. Dang. <laughs> Did you cut a lot of weight so throughout that- your entire career? There was a couple of years I did, and uh, a lot of the years, no. It was like my sophomore year of high school was a really bad year, and then my sophomore year in college was a really bad year for cutting weight. I was, sophomore year in high school when I wrestled 12, I was coming in like 29 on a Monday, like 15, you know, they would give you weight as the year went on. So 12 became 13, became 14. When it was 14, I was coming in at 129 on Monday. Oh, my God. It was, yeah, but we, our team, we had the state champion that year at 119 and 126, and both of those guys could kick my ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> you could swear in this. No, it's okay. 
uh, so, you know, 12 was the weight that I think they, they needed me at and that I kind of had to go because our 19-pounder was just beast on top. Man, so you were you were in there with some elite guys, and so this this uh, natural ability that you had was complemented by tremendous coaching. And then your your freshman year at St. Ed's, you get third. What do you remember of the state tournament that year and having to come back to get third when you didn't achieve your goal? I I remember uh, well the match I lost uh, it was uh, four to four. I remember looking at the scoreboard; it was four to four with forty four seconds left. And uh, he caught me. He caught me in a real good single. He had a good high low single, you know, like inside hand first. Mm-hmm. Kind of one, the kind of the move that I I, I picked up later on. Um, and I got up up and out real quick. And as I was turning around to skate, he you can see it accidentally though. He stepped on my foot and uh, caught me. And I went right to my back for two more, and then I reversed him and I lost eight six. And uh, that was the first match I lost that year. So I was undefeated going in the semifinals, and I was picked to win it. Yeah, and it was a, it was a crushing moment. It really was. I think you know I, I think I changed my routine up. Before the state tournament, a couple of the guys moved in with the coach for like three, four weeks before the districts and sectionals. What? And I, you know, our we move in there because he had wrestling room. And they, those guys moved in there because they were cutting so much weight. And uh, I moved in there with them just, I don't know, because I didn't, I was sick of driving so long to school and being there for so much. So I got these older guys to drive me around, the seniors and stuff. But it kind of got me out of my routine. I maybe was a little too young to be staying at the coach's house for for three, four weeks before the tournament. And it kind of, you know what I mean? I was like 14, and and maybe I think it kind of tightened me up a little bit, got me a little too obsessed with everything. You know, I wasn't flowing like I like I normally was. Yeah, I was like you really watching. That, my, you never had that downtime or like just time away to kind of enjoy yourself and and be yourself again. You know. Yeah, like, yeah, the family said, you know, our family wasn't really obsessed with wrestling, so it was always a break. I was, it was real good. We had a good, looking back, like a real good balance. Like, our, our the only one obsessed with wrestling in the house was me, and uh, nobody pushed me to do anything, and I would just, you know, I would just start wrestling my brother and my mother and my father all the time. So I figured, well, I'll move in with the coach because uh, then I can wrestle with these guys instead of jumping on my family <laughs> <laughs> did you do a lot of visualization or like meditating yeah. on things back in the day and if so what was that like for you well i don't think i, I never really tried to intentionally meditate but my mind would just constantly be on whatever happened in the last practice or you know that whatever sticks with you from the last practice and trying to figure out how you could have not gotten into that situation or gotten out of it or made it better and just totally visualizing like everything to where, you know, you start, you start twitching, you know, your arms start, your arm goes out. <laughs> you almost hit somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? You like start moving around. You, you go like, well, what would I have done when that guy, you know, had that leg that would come in and I could have just done this. And then you start moving around in your chair or you, and, uh, yeah, so the visualization was just, like, 
accidental because it was just like thinking about your just whatever skill you're into, you know. The amount of mental reps you leg? did was crazy. Then, if you're, I mean, think about that. You're doing the practice. You're probably working out in the morning as well, but then all day you're visualizing at such an intense level that your body's like physically acting it out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's kind of how it was. I didn't sit there and go, okay, now I will spend 45 minutes thinking about my single leg. It was just like my single leg was on my mind all the time. I couldn't stop thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> you get it? Yeah, totally. I, it just kind of happened yeah. in class and you'd, whether you're walking around or sitting in class, you would just kind of drift off. And next thing you know, you're, you're deep in thought thinking about I, your technique. How can I, exactly. How can I beat this guy, this next guy? I would, yeah. Oh my God. It's just stupid things. Just obsessed though. I just, love that. Um, what was your routine like back then? Were you working out a couple times a day or what did it look like for you? Like in high, in high school? Yeah. Oh, our practices were torture. At St. Ed's, they were like two and a half hours every day, and uh, I just I just stayed on. I didn't have to do anything extra, even though I got to school really early because my dad had to drop me off an hour early so he could go back home and then go to work. I didn't work out in the morning. I would uh, I would just sit in the lunchroom, but I I, I was going to get plenty of work after school. Because mm-hmm. after we were, after we did a whole practice, we did sprints for literally over a mile of sprints. So that the track up on the top of that wrestling room is like 23 laps to the mile, and we would sprint 30 laps, you know, in different like four, three, three, two, two, you know, Jeez. sprint walk. And then if it wasn't a sprint day, then it was a uh, lifting day. So I'd be in the weight room till my mom would pick me up at like 7:30, and I'd just keep lifting. And <laughs> <laughs> God you know man I mean? those are the old school days yeah so you yeah, won I I... sorry go ahead but no I, I was a dummy in the weight room though I was going to say I, I, I really went to uh, you know looking back I, I was always constantly trying to max out on deadlifts and power cleans and squats and uh, I destroyed my back and my knees in those years unfortunately you know, it didn't. It, it, it had great, great advantages for that time, but it, my, I was improperly doing it. You know, yeah. If anybody, any exercise physiologist would have said, "Whoa, boy, you gotta, <laughs> you can't do that. You can't, you know, max out every day." I couldn't not do it though. I had to try every day. <laughs> you were just that driven. I wanted to be able to power clean. 245 is on each side. But I, I I don't think I ever did that until I got older. Dang. So did you have... 145 on each side was good. That's, that's a shitload. <laughs> 245 on each side. Maybe, maybe, I can't remember. Like, maybe it was 145 on each side. That may have been freshman year. I wanted to be able to power clean 135. Man. I can't remember. Because I figured it would be easier to do 135 than uh, 115 because the 45-pound plate keeps holds the bar off the ground like mm-hmm. an inch and a half more. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, totally, yeah. Plus, it looks cool to have the 45-er on there. <laughs> yeah, you know? totally. Right. So, anyway. So, did you was, have uh, a, a girlfriend was, in high school, or were you just totally focused on, on wrestling, and it's all you did? I, yeah, I had a few girlfriends in high school. My senior year, I had a pretty serious girlfriend towards uh, most of my senior year. 
And, uh, you know, then when, when I went to college, it just kind of faded out, you know. She ended up working at the at the Cadillac dealership with my mom later on, too. Small world. But, yeah. Yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah. And and so in high school you're known for you probably being the most successful high school wrestler of all time. You have you, you have Kerry Colat, and there's there's some guys now in the modern era. But I think back to that to your era. You know I'm an Illinois guy, so I think Joe Williams is up there as well, just totally dominant. But oh my god, speaking of Joe Williams, we were just at a tournament with the Harvey Twisters. Oh my god, I love those guys. And, yeah, and they have uh, I don't know how old she is, maybe nine or ten. They have the most incredible girl wrestler I have ever seen in my life. She destroyed every boy in the tournament. Dude, I don't. I believe it, man. They are. I just had Tony Davis on here two weeks ago, and he came up through the Harvey Twisters. Dude, that program in Illinois is so unbelievable, and like they recruit just from like one small neighborhood. It's not they're drawing kids from halfway across the state. It's just kids who have nothing. They come in there and just work their butt off. I promise you, whatever this girl's name is, you're gonna hear it soon. She this might this could be like the phenom of girls who makes the Olympic team when she's 12 or something. Seriously, you should see her. Jordan Burroughs double leg. She's she actually has technique. She's like riding and spreading the dude's feet out and just knows how to throw legs and and just like her technique is. Uh, she's an amazing athlete, but her technique is like you know, high school level, high high school level already, you know, or wow. just tactics. So are yes, you coaching yes. now? Yeah, I coach at a, at 216 Wrestling Club. Well, my, my, me and Fred Lima, an Ohio wrestler who went to Iowa, uh, you know, he knows brands, and he was actually behind Williams in the lineup at Iowa. Um we coach together. His his son is on our team, and we got about, I think, 40, 45 kids signed up this season. Had our first state champ last year, which nice. was our youngest wrestler, uh, uh, the son of, of a longtime friend, both of ours. Um, and then that's about the time I, I started coaching with them fully, so this will be the first full year. That's awesome. What do you think about the academy scene now? I mean, they had nothing like that when you were coming up. Now it seems like everyone who's ever wrestled has one, which is great for the development. But I'm just wondering what you think about it in terms of is it good for the kids? Is it too much? Yeah, yeah that kind of thing. No, it's I, I like it a lot. I wish I would have gotten I wish I would have gotten into it earlier and not veered off, uh, you know, into other careers because I I struggle behind the eight ball here having like a 15 year uh, a window where I wasn't here in Ohio, you know building a program my i really respect my friends who just who stayed uh, true and had faith that they could actually make a living doing what they love uh the rest wrestling whereas i even even when i was wrestling at the top level going for the world teams and stuff my family and my relatives really looked down on wrestling. They knew, they knew they were, they, they, they didn't criticize it that much because I was really good at it, but pretty much no matter how good of, I was at wrestling, everybody in my family and around here would always say, well, what are you going to do when wrestling's over? How are you going to make any money? How are you going to make a living doing that? Nobody cares about wrestling. 
And uh, I just got the drumbeat brainwashed into my head that that wasn't going to be. And I didn't see the landscape of the, of the youth coaching world changing to where there would be an opening. And my friends who stuck with it, like Bormat, Perler, and Eric Burnett, and just you know a bunch of names, even Daryl Weber, he's one too. They 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 stayed true to what they love to do, and uh, you know they're they're much more established than than me anymore. You know. You know Barme? Yeah, I know him real well. Man, he he's been on here before. When I was coming up through the Illinois circuits, the Overtime School of Wrestling was the premier club in the United States, as you know. And God, it's amazing to see that now D1 coaches are coming from the youth academy level. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I know. No, and, and when he started that club, you know, I was like hanging out with him, training with him. He's like, I'm going to start a wrestling club. And I'm like, how? Well, you know, I just didn't see, I didn't see it. I just, I gave up. Right. And went a different direction and didn't enjoy my life as much. Yeah, you were a lawyer for a time, weren't you? Yeah. I mean, I'm still a lawyer. Right. I don't have, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on, uh, what's it called? In, a, inactive. But if I, if I paid a couple hundred dollars fee, I could have, I could be active. But when you're active, you have to go back and do, uh, continuing courses and stuff like that. And I, you know, if I'm not practicing, it's no. If I don't have a client, there's no reason to go do continuing legal education. Quite <laughs> right. <laughs> so let's. You you mentioned Iowa, and so and how Dan Gable is your idol, and so in high school, you know, again, you're you're famous for winning four junior national titles, the first guy to ever do that, three time Ohio State champ, you're just totally dominant. And when you're coming out of high school. Why did you choose Oklahoma State over Iowa? I wanted to train train with John Smith. I think was a big part of it. Just he just came in there and just like like a tornado of wrestling, and just like swept through the whole world. And he was so young, and he was just so advanced technically that I felt like. Well, we're if wrestling's going this direction, you know, like there's going to be a guy like John Smith. Right. I have to figure out how to wrestle him if I'm going to beat people. And I think John being able training with a guy like John Smith and at Oklahoma State, I may have like, you know, maybe a little bit different than my style because I couldn't. My guy, guys at Oklahoma State were like they like to clear the tie ups and touch and go, and I was getting, I was like trying to get more control tie-ups and I kind of lost some of that skill because my, my teammates were so good at avoiding hand fighting kind of, you know, avoiding just banging in there and they wanted to be on the outside and it may have hurt me, but it might've also helped me like in the, you, you know, say I lost to brands twice and then I, I get Abbas in the final senior year, you know, I couldn't wrestle junior year, but I get Abbas in the final senior year and maybe, maybe a guy like Abbas would have beat me too. If I hadn't wrestled John Smith so much, you know, Mm -hmm. so it may have held me back and it may have, it may have not helped held me back, but it was, it was different than St. Ed, the style, and it was different than Iowa, but I thought it would help me become the more well-rounded, like more exceptional Sergey Belaglazov type wrestler where I was good everywhere. I could throw, I could turn, I could take anybody down, you know, 
So I was looking to be more like that, and I thought, if I bring the, the, the John Smith way, too, it'll be, like, even better. And, dude, so you wrestled him in my... high school, too. You took him down in high school when he was the Olympic champ. Tw- three times. <laughs> well, one was on the edge. One was on the edge, so it was at the end. But they gave me the point. Um, but So he had three. But then he got on top and pretty much ruined my shoulder for the rest of my life. So. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, I saw, and I saw him in the back after the match. And he's like, I was laying there crying and my shoulder was killing me. He walks by and he goes, what are you getting all mad for? It's just a wrestling match. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know him at all at that point in like, time or no? No, but I was like, I love this guy. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I was, I wanted to say you were mad too. So, you know, but anyway. You were crying because he beat you? Yeah. I, I cry when I when I stopped crying. That's when I quit wrestling. If I lost and I didn't cry, when after that was when I said, "This is I'm done. My heart's not in it." If I if you can lose and not cry, then. But like, you're did you idiot. actually expect to beat John Smith going into that match, or were you just trying to see where you were at? No, I I didn't go on a mat unless I wanted to beat the guy. I wanted to win. I wanted to make the Olympic team at 16 years old, which would have beat Jimmy Carr's record, who was 17. And I thought, well, if there's the, well, here's the chance. So here we go. But yeah, I wanted to beat him. And that was that match. So at that point, couldn't be an Olympian at 16. He was too good. God, he's good. I couldn't, I couldn't beat him. I was going pretty even with him. It was like one, one, about two minutes in, and right before the damn period break, he ducked me. It was like he just disappeared. He did that sit on your butt duck, you know, where With he, the just, elbow he gets tie? down there like elbow tie and just flattens his whole body out like a like a yoga master, and he just disappeared <laughs> and then caught me and then gut, gutted me. And uh, it was four to one at the break, and I was like, dang, it's slipping away. It's going to be a tough to come back from that one at that point. I have watched that match, and it's so funny. The announcer is going crazy oh, for you. He loves you. He's the Sabato's, uh, like, uncle. Gotcha. He's a fa- the, the Sabato family. He's, a, he's Bob Beely, I think, was his name. He's the, So he was obviously pro-Ohio in that uh, commentary. Oh, big time. And so yeah. before you get to Oklahoma State, though, you have a – inconsequential run-in with the Brains Brothers at the Junior Nationals. And I say inconsequential because they weren't like phenoms. And I'm curious to know if you knew anything about them going into that match, but you beat them pretty good. It's like, what do you remember of that match? Was Did it stand out to you at all, or was it business as usual? No, I, I remember that the whole, the whole turn of events there. So the Brands were, they were already signed at Iowa. My buddy from high school, Carpenter, was at Iowa. He was um, a year ahead of the brands. Um, Mike Carpenter, he you know, he was second, like rated second in the country, and then he had he got he got his he he moved, went back to Cleveland State, and then uh, was like going 
you could have won nationals and some guy blew his knee out in the last second of the EWL or whatever. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting on a, on a jag here. No, I, I remember that real well. I remember they gave me Tom Brands and then Terry Brands back to back and uh, threw a Steiner in there on me too. And the first, my match with Tom was, was odd because I beat him 17 to one in like, I don't know, like 90 seconds. I double-legged him four times uh, to his back in a row. It was like 12-0 and uh, got the tech. And I I was like, what the hell? Was this guy sick? He had to be sick. Have you watched, have you ever seen the match? No. Yeah. I don't know. I always wanted to ask him if he was sick or something because he... I, I, there's no way I, it was not it was so it was like, is he that smart to like play possum and just like no, I stink he's not I'm not that even kind a good of wrestler <laughs> and I'm gonna kill you next time so I don't know what happened there but then I wrestled Terry and it was closer I think it was like eight to three or eight to five I can't remember the game two at the end but I remember firemen's are barrel rolling Terry right to his back at the beginning of the match and he went into a high bridge and I'll never forget just the view for me like Terry Brands, like bridging up and his neck was gigantic. And I'm like, I cannot get him to flatten out. Like his bridge was so strong and he was just doing it like a kid in practice. I'm like, he really listens to his coaches. And I remember noticing that like his bridge was like impossible to break. It's just like a weird memory, you know, like looking down at his kid and he's bridging and thinking, man, I'm, I got him at his back and I'm thinking this son of a bitch is so strong. Were they aggressive back then? They not like they got. No, they they were kind of like a lead leg. They they I think they might have been kind of influenced by like the style of the day with John Smith because they kind of like had the lead leg and were sort of a little, little bit on the outside. You know, their style changed kind of more like what my style was like uh, throughout high school. You know. And they, then you they, end they up kind of, right. they, they started like coming in and jamming you up and jamming your arms in and your hands and working the head real hard. And they didn't do that so much when I wrestled them in high school. I didn't watch them wrestle a lot, but if you saw the match, you'd see a different style from the brands than, than what they uh, did in college. You know, they really improved can, uh, in college. I was going to say, cause they, a lot of people say that you know, they weren't even top caliber guys in high school. And I was interviewing a guy, Mike Chapman, who's a news reporter for this documentary I'm doing, but he, uh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, he kind of questioned Gable. He's like, are you sure you want those guys? I mean, they're not, they're state champs, but not, uh, not phenoms or anything. Um, but obviously when they got to yeah. Iowa and, you know, Steiners came a year later, those four were all together. Then you had just this unbelievable group of guys with like Tom Ryan, Chad Zappadal and, and that whole crew. And then you go off to Oklahoma state and there's some really good guys there too. Um, you know, like yourself, Perlers. I don't know if Mark Branch was there later, but, you know, so you go to a powerhouse and then you end up wrestling Tom again at like the Northern Open and you beat him there, but it was a little bit closer from what I read. Oh, it was a lot closer. Yeah. No, no, that was a tight match. I think it was 8-6, 8-7 or something. I was, he had me on the ropes at the end, I think. Um, yeah, that was a tough one. Go. I was, I was listening to the brand's podcast, you know, and you, you say that I started when I was, you know, 10 was late. 
I was, it was really interesting to hear him talk because I had always wondered what his background was with wrestling. And I know he's from Iowa or Sheldon, Iowa. So I just picture every Iowa town as like, you know, a town of wrestling. But I was surprised to hear that he, him and Terry didn't start wrestling until they were 11. Right. Yeah. So that would probably be, they were probably fifth graders when they were 11, maybe fourth or fifth, but I would, you know, they're like old for the grade kind of thing. But, um, uh, so we kind of started wrestling at the same age. Right. Basically. And, um, neither and their family wasn't a wrestling family either. So their first generation wrestlers was like what Tom said. And so was I. And he, and, and he says what he brought to the game wasn't, you know, like family experience was that he knew how to fight and that was a skill. And it was like exactly the same thing as my, my past. He said, you know, his parents split up, mine didn't, but, it, but there's so much, so such similarities there, you know? Yeah. I actually, I, I actually did my, did check my facts. You know, remember when he asked you about, he was talking about going a different way to big tens and nationals, yep. like in the seventies. And I looked up, I looked that up and I didn't find that to be true. <laughs> Owings did that though. Well, when he beat Gable Owings, cause I, the documentary I'm doing is on Gable as a coach, not about an athlete, but the opening scene is Gable versus oh. Owings and Owings wrestled like one fifty two at the pack eights and then cut down but that was way back in the day, you know, like at like in 1970. But it it couldn't have been that common because yeah, that, that, that's I, all I did was check. So all I did was check Mark Johnson. So I looked oh, at Mark I see. Johnson, yeah. his uh, sophomore, junior, and senior year, and he and I, it was kind of looking at him. He kept losing to Chris Campbell. Yeah, so Mark Johnson. I thought he went to Iowa. He went to Michigan. And he got matched up with Chris Campbell. So he took like second at Big Tens and second at Nationals two years in a row. And there, there I found a, 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 something I have in common with Mark Johnson. You know, we had like an opponent in the NCAAs from Iowa that was like beating us. But then he went you know, to coach like, at Iowa. Isn't that crazy? No, that's not that crazy. I, I mean, don't think that, that, you know. Well, you would think that uh... – like maybe Campbell would get that job or like, there's just so many good Iowa guys that could have got that job. The fact that it went to Mark Johnson. Campbell, Campbell then became a lawyer, didn't he? Yeah. Then he came back in like the early nineties and won when he was oh in my his God. 30s. Yeah. I was on the, I was, I went to Russia with Chris Campbell. He was on the USA team in uh, my freshman, my redshirt year. I, I qualified. I took second at the Sunkist open to Fisher. Like it was a crazy 12, 11 match. I was down. I think I was down 12-0 and I came back 12 and lost 12-11. And um in the finals, but they said, "Hey, you took second, you can if you're more a red shirt, we'll go to Russia, we'll take you to Cuba." So I so I did the freestyle scene my red shirt year and Chris Campbell was on that team to, that we went to Russia. And that was well I got whooped in that tournament in Russia. I got I went two and out. That was the only time I ever went two and out in my life. Wow. So where when it, where at in Russia is this? It was uh the Medved in Minsk. Okay. Not M- Minsk. Yeah, Minsk. The Medved. Flew into Moscow. <laughs> an hour train ride to Minsk. You know, training camp, ice cold everywhere. Food sucked. It was awesome. But when you won the won the Espoir Worlds, you beat a guy from Russia in the finals, right? Yes. 
I beat the Soviet. He was a Soviet. That was the last year of the Soviet Union. They were the unified team in the Olympics in 92. 91 was the last year of the Soviet Union. So I beat a Soviet, not that a Russian. And that's like, you forgot to figure in Azerbaijan, Georgia, all those teams are part of that. So that's like a super team. The dude I wrestled in the finals was so good. I can't, I, I, I cannot hardly believe to this day still that I beat him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, he, he was amazing. It was like Mukhtarov or something. I was watching the match before we yeah. the interview here. Exactly. Yeah. And then I never saw him again. Dude, it's like... How the hell about that? But there's so many I good guys over again. there, man, that like, I just feel like they, you know, they, they, they come, but if they, they miss a step, they're out. Um, they're just, they're just so loaded over there. I know. It's so it's pretty impressive. What was it We're like? Getting there. We're getting there though. We're getting to that level. Oh, we are baby. It's, it's going to be so much fun in April to go to the trials and see what goes down there. It's unbelievable. Yeah. We got a youth, we got a youth tournament that weekend at the, isn't the trials at Penn state or something? Yeah. So, so yeah, we have a youth tournament, so we're staying, you know, to watch the Olympic trials after the youth tournament. We're making a little staycation. That's awesome. Well, I'll definitely meet up with you and we'll grab a beer out there because I'm going. My brother and I are taking the week to go, and um, I just can't wait for it, man. It's going to be awesome. So just correcting the record, so I looked up the Mark Johnson, and that, and so I didn't see the changing the weight classes. So I guess it was over by then, probably. But it, but yeah. in the, I guess the late '60s, maybe early '70s, that was part of the game. And I, and I think that should still be, I, I think that should still be fine to do if you wanted that, to. And they should Sh- allow the D two and D three guys to come into. I wish they still did that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's 100%. let's talk about your time at Oklahoma State because I'm fascinated by John Smith. He's one of the guys who I've not had on the podcast yet. Most of the people you've mentioned have been, like Sergey's been on, and um, but John is not, and I'm just obsessed with John Smith as a wrestler as much as I'm obsessed with Gable as a coach. So what, uh, you know, what stories do you have, or like, what was it like working out with that guy, and like, where was he at on a mental level back then? Oh, see, people don't know people who don't know a lot about John. Like they they see him as like slickster you know, and so fast and like, he's like this Bruce Lee type wrestler. Yeah. But, he, but some people know it, but he's the nastiest, most scrappiest, just get in the dirt and, and, and wrestle whatever the hell he needs to do to win. He'll twist you. He'll twist anything. And he, he's just nasty. I mean, he was nasty. Wow. You know what I mean? Like really competitive, like in your face, if you had to be? Oh, man. Like, like, yeah. Jeez. Because you don't think about that. Fighting with his drill partners and just screaming and, you know, like, just, you know, he'd get mad at somebody while he's wrestling. You suck, you know. Seriously? He was just (laughs) so ornery, man. He was so ornery or ornery or whatever the word is they use in Oklahoma. I didn't, I never could figure out what word they were saying. But they're like, John's ornery. People don't know. And he was, but it, but it, but it, you could tell it was coming. You know, some people get kind of act like that, but when you see John act like that, you could tell it was coming from down deep. He was a scrapper. And, 
first and foremost, before before all that technique, he's a scrapper, and so is Pat. Well, Brands talks about that how he read he was a, he read the article about John Smith and how you know his his relationships with his personal life had suffered, and I I don't know the details of that, but I heard once that like after Smith won the Olympics in '88, he had a little bit of fame. Then he got beat by Gil Sanchez in an All Star meet, and oh yeah, was so so upset. And then I beat Gil Sanchez. Did you? Yes, I beat him at the Sun Kissed Open. Dude, but then John Smith went back to living on a budget of a thousand dollars a month and lived in like a tiny apartment by Gallagher. Like, like what was he? Well, like what was his personal life like back then, or was he just all consumed by it? When I was, I saw John Smith out, you know, out at night when I was in Stillwater, my fresh one time, one time he was, so he was, you know, he was still like graduate, graduate assistant all the way till about my senior year, but he, he wasn't out there socializing and, and then he got his wife. Now he found his wife like around my first or second year. And then they, they were like basically together. So he was kind of like almost married by the time I was a sophomore. So he was, he was really private, really quiet. You would, you know, really, really quiet. It's just, it's just a totally different person than on the map. Wow. That's because to your point, that guy I've ever seen off the map. And that's the, that's the image that people have of him is, you know, he's easygoing. He's a great speaker. He seems like when you look at him in interviews, like he's a friendly guy, like you want to hang out with him, you know, whereas brands, they seem to have that same mentality all the time. But um, Coach Coach Smith, obviously not that not that way, because to your point, when he got into workout, it seems like he was just a different person, a light, you know, a, a, a switch had flipped and he was just completely like in your face trying to get the most out of the workout. And if you got in the way of that, that was on you. Yeah, like the 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 inside story on working out with John Smith is like it wasn't all that fun to drill with him because he was uh, he was so smooth and so good that it, you felt stupid. No matter how good you were, he was you felt stupid when you were drilling with him. Like, what am I even doing here on the mat? Nothing, nothing that I could do to this guy is gonna work. And he would kind of give you he would he would let you know that it wouldn't work even though he would let you drill and uh, he, then he would take over and do about nine moves in a row and then let you do like one and then kind of blow you off and say, all right, now I'm going to go back and do it. And you felt so dumb that uh, because you're like working out with, uh, you know, like Roy Jones boxer or whatever it was. And he's just right. peppering you with, uh, with jabs and you're trying to get like one setup in. And he's just like, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. <laughs> so he was like it was it was great to train with him but sometimes it was, it was frustrating because he would like do nine moves to my one and then he would stop my second one and then take over and do nine more but I was like but you couldn't say anything because it's like what are you going to do man right he's a, well he's a world champ Olympic champ maybe I'll just like uh, you know I guess I'll just be drilled on what was a workout like back then? Would you guys warm up and then scrap, or were just a lot of drilling and technique? 
No, we would warm up and then we would go. Like if I was meeting John in the room, we would we'd just wrestle like five. Mostly, it would be freestyle. I'd be training with him freestyle, you know, obviously because he wasn't because that's what we had to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, for him, and uh, I don't remember if it was freestyle if we'd wrestle freestyle all the time. But anyway, we'd go seven minute goes, which would be about a five minute match, and just do six to seven of those. You know, and if and we'd always have to do one more if I did well. If I did well, if it, um, you know, in the, in the go, wherever we got to go again to like murder you. Jeez, you know, man. that's crazy. So you left the room. You left the room pretty beat up. Was Kindle Cross training there as well at this time? Yeah, I remember Kendall being there more than I think he actually was. But yeah, he was there a lot. I know he went to North Carolina somewhere in there, but. I remember training with him for around the Olympic year when he won, you know, so, mm-hmm. so, so, so Kendall was a, was a big part of it too. Yeah. He was a really good friends with Kendall. And then what was, uh... now that's a laid back. Now that's another laid back wrestler. You know what I mean? Who really, he doesn't even have like uh he doesn't turn the switch on like an obvious, like John, he just somewhere in there, he just has that extra gear, but he does. He, you don't see it until he needs it, you know. Right. Well, and dude, he wrestled the brands a lot in college too, and he actually beat brands, Tom Brands, in the semis, Tom's freshman year. But then it yeah. seems like after that, they got the better of him. But then obviously in '96, that Matt best of three with Terry, pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, wow. You know what and, can and you say? I I was with Kendall that weekend, you know. And uh, I was watching that happen and I saw what he did and it really makes me think that's like, I could have, I should have done kind of the same thing when it came to competing with Tom His brands. Like in the first match, you know, brands did the brand thing and Kendall did the brands thing. And then the second match, Kendall was like, man, if I'm going to beat this guy, I got to just go with what God gave me in wrestling. And, you know, he's sort of forcing me over hooks and just taking Terry out of, you know, out of, you know, out of his zone. And he ends up coming out on top. And I was thinking, like, it's hard to wrestle brands and not just, like, wrestle their style. And he accomplished that. And, uh, you know, that's why he won. And, you know, kind of got back exposures and stuff like that and just beat him in freestyle, basically, you know, beat him on the technique and stuff. And it's like I could have I could have used a little bit of that in like in my uh, you know my matches with like Tom I should have opened up a little bit more and been less less uh, tunnel visioned on how I'm going to attack him you know so th- that's a good I feel like I, I did better when I did that well, that's a good point though because I was going to ask so you get to Oklahoma State I know we're jumping around a bit but that's okay so you get to Oklahoma State and you've already beat these guys. But at the same time, I've heard that people kept telling you, hey, the brands are training like freaking animals over there with Gable. Um, you know, they're training, training, training. And then you wrestled Tom before the Nationals your junior year. But like going into the NCAA final Saturday night, your junior year, I mean, not your junior year, sorry, uh, your sophomore, was it your freshman or sophomore year? Well, I wrestled them in the finals both years. Right. So nine, let's just say 91 the first time. Like the going into time, the yeah. going into the final Saturday night, like what's the perception of Gable and Brands at this time? If you're on the Oklahoma State team, and if if you're you, 
Well, they, you know, they were beating us, you know, uh, those two years. They beat the garbage out of us our sophomore year, 35 to 2 in a dual meet, I think. So we were, that was like their super duper teams. Remember with their poster and they were all all Americans or something like that? They had 11 All Americans and one didn't get on the lineup because Troy Steiner uh, beat them out. Like, it's, that's how loaded they were. Yeah, so they were they were like at their one of their primes there at Iowa. I just say one of their primes, you know. But uh, so we 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 were a little second fiddle, you know, at the time. But we all we competed with them and and uh, you know did the best we could. And but our program was like kind of like falling apart at, temporarily too. And it wasn't it was a you know advantage Iowa, I guess you got to say, advantage Gable. You know, if it was a tennis match. But is it true that people were telling you, hey, man, these guys are training like maniacs, and did you kind of blow them oh, off? Oh, yeah. What, what happened then? No. Well, that dynamic there was, was really ticked me off at the time because I, there, there were guys on our team that were telling me that. You know, like, you know, they were, like, rubbing it in my face, like, you're going to lose. These guys are training harder. And I'm like, why are they getting a reputation for training so damn hard uh, all of a sudden, like, this is, you know, like we got Rocky one and Rocky two over here. And it's just, it kind of made me mad because I know I train just as hard and everybody's like calling me, calling me the phenom talented guy when I trained just as hard as anybody to, 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 to earn that fake, uh, credit as talented because I wasn't talented. I was, I just worked. That from the very beginning, from the first day of practice, it was just work. I, I, you know, I wanted to win the the push-ups award, and I which was our the guy who does the best calisthenics. I mean, it felt like it was a slight towards me, like I was the slickster that was going to get outworked. When I'm like, you think I'm the slickster because I won all this stuff in high school, but I won all this stuff in high school because I treated it like like it was my life, and and, and built up a a, a, a fair to medium amount of God-given talent into like, you know, uh, a good, a good wrestler, right? a successful young wrestler. And it, and it, it really, oh, it really checked my ass to hear people talking about how hard these other guys are training. And it was like the rivalry between me and them was being built without me because I had a totally different dynamic going on around me where I was trying to just make the team so that like, as Brands was training for, I guess, me or whoever he would meet from Oklahoma State, probably focusing more on me than anything, I was I was worried about – I had to wrestle off Chris Owens my freshman and sophomore year. So it was, was, I was hard to even get – was he good? He was, he, he was third in the country as a freshman. Oh, he shit. So he was legit. He's the one who Brands beat in the semis and nationals. He 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 took he wrestled Brands twice, took him down twice in a row, both matches like up four to one in a minute. Not that a lot of you know Brands a lot of times gives up the first takedown or mm-hmm. just I don't he just does and then he murders you after that. But he um, against the Slicksters he'd he'd probably lose his first takedown a lot. But yeah, Chris Owens was a was phenomenal. He was like as a true freshman he wrestled off Kendall Cross and like. They, they gave it to Kendall, but everybody knows Chris beat him. I wasn't there. I heard about it, but 
he, wow. Chuck Barbie moved up to 42 over the Christmas break. I was scheduled to go to Russia over the Christmas break. Chuck Barbie moved up to 42, and then he put Chris Owens in the lineup at 34, and he went, uh, and he basically, the only person that beat him was Brandon Zuniga the whole year. Dang. And by like a cup, Brands beat him like 13 to 8. You know, beat him up at the end, but it was close, you know, going to the third period. And he took third in the country as a freshman. And then I was like, oh, God, he, he got a lot better. Oh, and he beat the crap out of me at my first college tournament. Chris Owens beat me 12 to 6 at the St. Louis Open in the semifinals my redshirt year and took me down six times. So you're a true freshman taking the year off and you're like, shit, I'm going to have a really hard time even making the lineup next year. Everyone's kind of shooing me in, exactly. but I'm going to have a really tough time. Exactly. Exactly. Like my, oh. my, I, my own personal, like me and Chris were good buddies. And then we realized we were going to be wrestling off for Oklahoma state spot. And then we weren't friends anymore. Seriously. He lived with the you pearl. had to stop being friends. Yeah. Well, we just, it just couldn't be. So he lived with the Pearlers and, 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 uh, I was real good. I really liked the pearlers a lot. And it was just, everything was awkward. And you know what I mean? We had to wrestle off and he's a great guy. And it's like, did you beat him or was it like best of three? I wrestled him off three times my, that freshman year. So I didn't actually know I was on the team until the week before big eights. My last wrestle off was the week before big eights. And I had beaten him twice. And I'm, if he beat me in that match, we'd have to wrestle another match. And maybe if he had beat me twice, they might've taken him. But our first match in wrestle off was I, I beat him five, four on riding time. And then I beat him in the finals of the Oklahoma state open or whatever. He had a tournament down there. It was a real close match. I caught him on his back at the end. And then I, I beat him for the third wrestle off. So then I really realized I was on the team. Then that was freshman year. So, and then I had to wrestle him off at the beginning of sophomore year. And, uh, I, I pinned him. All right. And then he moved up to 42 and was second in the country to, uh, Steiner. Wow. Did you, did you guys Uh, ever at Oklahoma state be like, man, I'm, I'm kind of pissed off about the whole situation because like, and I'm thinking if I'm you, because at Iowa, it was the perfect training environment. Nothing was going wrong. You had Gable, Mark Johnson, Barry Davis, Penrith, all these guys. But at Oklahoma State, it was kind of a shit show at this time. The sanctions were coming in. Guys were transferring. Seemed like a little bit of a lack of stability. Like, Did that ever kind of chap you that that all was going on? Oh, yeah. It, it was not good, okay? You know, you, Iowa was running like a well-oiled machine for, for the five years I was in college. And it was very similar to how the four years I was in high school, you know, like at St. Ed's with our coach and it just our, you know, well-oiled machine of this, the green machine at St. Ed's. And uh, then I got to Oklahoma State and, and that, that kind of stuff like started falling apart and it really, it sucked. It really, it was bad. And it, and it was, uh, you know, these NCAA guys come and come to my house in the middle of the summer to interview me and try talking to me. And they're just look like total Nazis and they're just so weird. And one of them was like this investigator that I guess went to Iowa and he just looked like this, uh, like an albino 
uh, <laughs> psycho from the movie uh, Foul Play. Remember that guy? <laughs> I've never seen it, but I, I can imagine some like stiffo guy from the NCAA. Like of all the things to get yeah. investigate, they're investigating some wrestling camp. Freaking yeah! Like, did you did you ride on the school bus to St. Louis? to the St. Louis Open. Did you ride? A, no, we weren't on a school bus. Did you ride in a minivan? And then it was like, uh, yeah, I guess we rode in a minivan. Okay, then who paid for the gas? I'm like, I don't know. I'm uh, like 18 years old, so I don't know who paid for gas. But oh, so you didn't pay for gas? So you didn't pay for your hotel? No, I slept with eight people in a hotel room, two, four on the beds and four on the floors and whatnot, We and I didn't pay for it. So, yeah. I guess that's that's what I did wrong. It's like, dude, took a ride to the St. Louis Open and got a got a hotel, and then and then uh, got a gas money to drive one of the wrestlers' cars to the Northern Iowa Open, where I wrestled Brand. So going up there to to hunt down Brands, you know, and I thought Owens was going to be there too, but he didn't go. But I went there to hunt down these these other wrestlers in my weight class. Is like, we we hit a deer on the way there, <laughs> and so. We didn't get there till four in the morning, man. We had to wake up at seven and weigh in. I was like, "Wow, something like that," you know. We didn't get we. It, it was crazy. I remember I ran into like one of Mark Johnson's buddies at the gas station. And I always wondered if it was like he's the one who who told on us or something because I was like, "Yeah, we do. We just hit a deer, and uh, the whole truck's messed up." And it was just, and uh, did you go up you there know, to wrestle Brands? Yeah. I went there to go get him. Hell yes. Here we go, baby. Here we go. But He was a national champ, right? He was already the champ. Yeah. Yeah. Were you surprised at the turn they made when they got to Iowa? Because obviously they weren't national champs in high school, but then, you know, he beat Zuniga. Even though Zuniga beat him at Big Tens, he beat Zuniga in the finals. Like, was it surprising to you that they had won and made that kind of leap? Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, Brands. Brands's first title was my red shirt. No way. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay, so he wasn't a national champ. He was an all-American, and we went to the Northern Iowa Open, and me and him wrestled in the finals. Then he won nationals that year because I was I was the other loss on his record besides Zuniga. Because you beat him at that tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I beat him at that tournament. And, um, no, yeah, well, what, what was the question? No, no, it was just that I'm just trying to understand that you went up there specifically to wrestle him, though. That's pretty cool. Well, no, I'm not so sure if that I, – I really wanted to wrestle Owens again because I knew he was going, but I, I'm not so sure I, if it was going there to get brands. I, I think I just made that up. <laughs> but I knew I, I knew I would wrestle him. But like we're talking you know? about the NCAA investigation, it's like they made it out to be some big deal. It's like, dude, we got our gas paid for to go to the St. Louis Open, and we slept on the floor. It's not like yeah, the they, basketball team getting free flights and shit, you know? Yeah, whatever. It was it was just stupid. I don't know what what really it was about. But probably about something else, more more uh, up in the office type thing, you know, scholarships and stuff. I don't know. What was uh, Coach oh, Smith was... like once he took over versus being a competitor? Oh, when John took over as head coach? Yeah, was that a big change? It was great. It, no, it was great. It was it was like back to no, back to normal, back to reality, back to regular practice, back to an organized team, 
back to great coaching. John's going to be nice to me now, and he's going to help me instead of trying to murder me. And uh, Mark Perry's like the, just literally like the greatest coach, you know, one of the greatest coaches ever. He was in my corner when I beat the Russian on that Espoir World team, and then he got to be my college coach. It was just awesome. And he kind of, and he finally taught me what John was doing to my shoulder, so it wouldn't happen so much. <laughs> don't tell, don't tell anybody. What about Mark Perry Senior? Made him such a great coach. Man, that's a good question. What makes him a great? He is just uh, so confident in you. For me, that's what it was for me. He was so confident in me. I would ask. I remember all the time. I go, what does this guy do? You know, before the match, like you seen him wrestle? He goes, yeah, seen him wrestle. He go, I go, what does he do? He goes, gets taken down a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It was yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. He was funny, got a great personality, down to earth, and totally confident in you. And you guys won so, the nationals that year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. And if I if I hadn't had it, if I hadn't had a guy like him, uh, for my even my senior year, you know, when I was, you know, kind of dominating, I I I could have folded I could have folded that one too, if I didn't have a guy like that in my corner, uh, just keeping my confidence going because you know it's, it's tough, man. I took that junior year off and like I'm laying it all on the line for senior year just for one when I thought I might get four, you know, right. but I'll do it for the team. I'll do it for the guys, and I'll and I'll lay it all on the line for one. And I was getting real nervous as the tournament was coming up, and Vinyasha Yetz came down from 42 or something, or moved up from 34, and he had kicked Kolot's butt. Remember? What? I don't. No, I'm only 30, so I don't remember some of those matches. But that I don't even know who that guy is. Oh, he's this super duper athlete from uh, from Ohio State who's just like just a tear, and he. Moved up into my weight class. He wrestled Jerry Abbas like in the semifinals, and I think it was o OT and Abbas won. But uh, he had beaten Colot, I think, that year, like pretty bad at 34. Boy, I don't, I don't want to be wrong about that, but I think that happened. And then, and I was like, I knew him because he was from Ohio, so we were on the junior national teams together. And I'm like, oh my god, he was always like this guy who was bigger than me that I wouldn't even wrestle in the room because he was just too too big and strong. And I was like, oh, he's in my weight class. I'm like, and then Daryl Weber dropped down from 58 to 42. Yeah. My senior year. Yeah. He, he has a close match with uh, Pat Smith. Not close, close, but, you know, competitive match with Pat Smith in the finals of the Vegas Open. And then he goes all the way down to 42. And he looks better at weigh-ins than I do. Man. So this is all weighing you know I mean? on you like going he, into nationals. I look more sucked out than him at, at, down to 42. And I'm like, he's in my weight class, too. And he beats Carcelli in the first round. Carcelli gets called for stalling, and I think he rolls on his back and gets pinned after that. I can't remember exactly. But I'm like, wow. I was getting real nervous, and the tournament was coming up. It was like my weight class was filling up with studs that I hadn't really ever wrestled before. And, uh, you know, and Abbas was obviously very good and dangerous. And so, I, you know, I got through and got 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 one title that, that, that weekend, but it wasn't uh, – I majored everybody in the tournament, but it, but it, I performed well, uh, but it could have went the other way. You know what I mean? It could have went the other way had I, had I not had 
some good coaching at the time, I'll be honest. So you were feeling a lot of weight coming into it. Like, Do you think there was a chance you weren't going to wrestle going into your senior year? No, I don't, I don't think there, no. no. Did you wrestle a lot in that 93 season when you took it off, or were you kind of training it? Oh, yeah, local? we – no, we, we got a season. We just didn't get a postseason. So I wrestled 50 basically that whole year and junior year. We were like the scab team, you know, gotcha. and uh, like a bunch of our guys had transferred and we got a full season. So my record was like, it was undefeated, like 31 and oh, I don't know, maybe 31 and oh, I think it was 31 and oh, but it, most of it was at 50. I won the Vegas Open at 50. And then they didn't let me wrestle in the all-star match though, which I wanted to wrestle uh, Sunderland, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's pretty. That's, that's and then a my, crazy time, uh, just of ups and downs. I mean, but to be an NCAA champion is obviously one of the rarest things you can do. Um, man, it's crazy. I, I know we've gone over time here, so I appreciate it. Um, well, that's all right. No, I'm having fun. I mean, I just want to, yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> so after the nationals, your senior year. Were you still trying to make an Olympic team, or were you, like, were your heart out of it at that point? No, I, I was trying to make the Olympic team. Kind of, I think I made a mistake. I maybe should have stayed in Oklahoma and trained instead of going and, you know, looking for a college coaching assistant job. The restricted earnings coach position, you know, I went to Indiana. I trained really hard at Indiana. Dwayne Goldman was a good uh, training coach type person. But, but I wasn't getting the kind of daily uh, daily wrestling and freestyle that I probably should have done. Maybe a better move would have, for me would have been to be one of the first uh, guys to go to Colorado and do their, their live-in program, which had just started up around that time. And that worked for a lot of guys. But, yeah, I was kind of like uh, caught between two worlds and trying to, trying to be a college coach and – at a, at a team that wasn't all that good, you know, it was yeah. Indiana. They were like 10 from the big 10, but they had some good wrestlers and kids I grew up with actually were on that team. And, uh, then it was like there for two years and, um, got some good training, but, uh, so 94, 95, 95, 96. And I didn't make the Olympic team. I, w- I actually moved up to 49 and a half. And then, uh, who was the, the guy trials, you know, it was, Townsend Saunders, who was a silver medalist that year. I don't know. I, I know the name. Obviously, he's amazing. Junior. They called him Junior Saunders at the time, but his name was Townsend. He's like five five foot two, like tank boy, tank. You know, he was just he was. I but I I, I beat I beat him. I beat Townsend at the Sunkissed Open that first, the year before. I stuck him in twenty three seconds. And uh, he cut down to 36, and when I did that, I couldn't believe I did that. I used it the first or second year, and uh, and then I, he, I never beat him again. But anyway, I got beat by Santoro. I was uh, I was ahead, and I relaxed, got thrown on my back. And well, the next two weeks after the Olympic trials, I started to get the uh, low back pain and sciatica. And I realized I had a herniated my disc, I think, in that last match, the match with Santoro when I landed, like, in a bridge. Right. I had ruptured my disc, and then I, then I, they're coming to get me. (laughs) (laughs) And I, 
uh, let me, let me get, I had two back surgeries in a row, one in October, one in December. And I pretty much had took about nine months, almost a year fully off, got back on the mat like a couple weeks before the U S open. And then went to the U S open in 97 and, uh, I don't even remember what weight class I went. <laughs> <laughs> but let's go back yeah, to... It was, uh, it was you... just injury. My point was, after 96, it was injury after injury. Two back surgeries, then a shoulder surgery. Shoulder surgery before that, after that. A couple of knee surgeries. All those deadlifts at St. Ed's. Exactly. What? Exactly. How come you didn't go to... Did you ever consider going to Iowa City and training with the Hawkeye Club? I did. I did. I went there too. I went to Indiana for two years, Northern Iowa for one year. They, they, they hired a new coach, Mark Manning, who told me over the phone that I was going to be on the staff at Northern Iowa and then didn't hire me. And I had to choose between going down to Oklahoma to train uh, with the, the Sooner Club, where, where some of my friends were training, or Oklahoma State maybe or Iowa and I was like my my friend who I coach with now was like you know we were we were good friends I was friends with some of the guys on the Iowa team and so I, I lived at Iowa for a year in 97 98 I was in Iowa and I did it had a great year I beat Fisher like five to zero in the Cuban tournament you know um and Damn, and then and then right at the end, my shoulder gave out again, and I I didn't even wrestle at the trials. And uh, yeah, I didn't even wrestle at the trials. I went and had shoulder surgery, and then I went back. I went back home and enrolled in law school as a you know grad assistant, like a free law school grad assistant for Cleveland State mm-hmm. for three years. And I I continued to train, but you know that's when it was that was another shoulder surgery. And, uh, you know, that was just, kind of the end was, at that point. It was, it, it was slipping away. And I was only like, if you look at that year, I was only like 26. Jesus. That's so young, man. And like, you think about now with the money that's in the RTCs, it's just a different time now. And thank God, like, I, like they're loosening the reins in that because to me, the, the IOC is one of the biggest fraudulent organizations in the world. Like they, they make all this money but then they don't let the athletes make any money. It's ludicrous to me. Um, and th- yeah. Just think about what you had had to do there. You had to be a coach, train half-time or part-time. Um, so, man, so I didn't realize you were at Iowa City for that long. Was like, Did Gable just coach one year. you? Or was, was, there, there, was there like tension there? Or like, did Gable coach you? What was it like? Well, it, well, it was really good and it was also really bad because I got in a fight with Bill Zadick. And I got in a fight with Royce Alger. And, you know, after the fight with Royce, like, I, that was after the U.S. Open. <laughs> he made fun of me. He goes, hey, Al, there was a tournament this weekend. You should have went. And I, I, I went. I just took – I didn't win, you know. And I, I, yeah. I, gave him, I gave him some F-bombs, and then we got in a fist fight. And that was pretty much the last time I'd been in the Iowa room. Wow. And uh, But but I got along well with, with most everybody. I mean, with – I loved training there. I mean, it really did. I kind of, yeah. What happened with Bill Zadig? So we got in a fight for the U.S. Open and the, in the locker rooms because uh, 
I asked him where somebody's locker was and he wouldn't tell me. I don't know, man. We just started just bickering shit like young kid. I mean, you're a young guy. I mean, no, we really fought. No, we really fought for like 15 minutes. I mean, like, like we, punches? I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. In the, oh, like yeah. the concrete floor of the locker room. Like, were you wearing like, plastics and shit or we went, what? It went all, yes, we were in plastics. It went all the way out in the hallway to the balcony. I was trying, we were trying to throw each other off the balcony. Holy smokes, man. That seems. And I, I think like something in my brain, like, like, uh, like the, the, the line tougher Bronx I've never seen comes to mind thinking like Bill Zadick has got something going on and I got to crush it because I could feel like he was going to be the next world champion and, uh, or make a world team or something. I don't know. And he did, you know, he eventually did. And I just, uh, it was like trying to just like, like snuff him out in the cradle. Wow. <laughs> Dude. But it didn't work. <laughs> and like at that time, there were some great guys there. You had Lincoln no, McElravey, Joe Williams. Each other. I mean, we, we fought and then we wrestled that weekend, I think. But I beat him the first, I think, two times I wrestled him. Or I beat him, uh, I don't remember now. Damn. And then he beat me. He definitely beat me one a year or so later. That was, that's but a... it sucked because, because uh, you know, right when I quit, that's when they changed the weight class to like 43 or 45, and that was that was perfect for me. I had to choose to go 36 or 49, and then it was 38 and 52, and I was a 42-pounder, perfect, you know? Perfect 42-pounder, mm -hmm. and the weight class was never available for the open. No, I'm not – that's not just being, being a wimp and saying, oh, I'm going to have my weight class. But because you see how guys move up and down – and 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 do really well, but you know it was, it, it was a factor of, of everything. You know, like Dake and Taylor, what they've done going up and down, and all this stuff is like fascinating. Fascinating, and what they're going to gonna have to do this spring is nuts to me, man. What a crime it is that there's only six weights. Yeah, yeah, and and you really can get you can get kind of when 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 it's so nip and tuck, you know what I mean. If a guy's more comfortable, like at this one. Just give it a number like 174, and the other guy's a little bit more comfortable at 171 and a half. That may be the edge, you know, with two, with two, uh, right, two like super duper athletes, you know, that can beat anybody. That it, it would kind of almost just figure out in the world of physics, you know, that that's just that little bit of an advantage. Right. I mean, exactly. Especially when there's same day weigh-ins like that. It's it's there's so many variables that go into it, um, right, 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 right. I have to ask before I ask you about the 2020 picks. I have to ask when you were back in Iowa City that year, did you and Tom ever go out to dinner and have a beer and just kind of bury things, or was there still a lot of tension? I I got along well with Tom and Terry. I don't think we talked very much because they were very loyal to like. Zadik, you know, that, that was their guy. And, it, you know, I'm younger than them by a few years, so I wouldn't have been opposed to, like, if there was no Zadik, you know, for them to, like, take me under their wing, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that they were retired at that point after 96, right? I'm right, yeah. No, no, Terry Tom, came back. Terry came back, but yeah. But he, yeah, and he never stopped. So it was, he was always training like he was wrestling anyway, even if he was 
technically not. But um, so yeah, it, it it was it was rough. I just uh, it was like, good to experience though. I'll tell you what, I I never saw guys work so hard in my whole life. I mean, I was at Saint Ed. I was I think I was the hardest worker at Saint Ed's. And when I got to Iowa, I couldn't keep up with some of the stuff they did. I maybe I could have if I'd have spent more time there, you know. But like it was like your first year in the infantry or whatever at mm-hmm. basic training, and I saw guys do things and that just like I couldn't accomplish. And you know, feats of strength, certain things like that, you know, feats of endurance that are just uh, uncanny, man. Well, dude, that time to me, and I I've gone down the rat hole on this because. The documentary I'm doing it part one is going to come out in about two weeks on Gable from like 78 through 87. And then the second part will come out December one. And that's the rebuild, what I call it, 88 through 97. But dude, 94, 95, 96, 97, you had Mark Ironside, Joe Williams, Lincoln McElravey, Bill Zadick. It's like unbelievable. Lee Fullhart. I mean, Mark yeah, Ironside. Basically, God, I'm so stupid. Basically, the, the, the kind of the wedge that got me into Iowa was my kind of friendship with Lincoln. Because I, when I was in Indiana, I would go out to Iowa and uh, train with Lincoln, but I wasn't allowed to be in the Iowa room at the time. Maybe that was, I don't know if that was pre or post Zadok fight, man. I can't even remember. But I would train with Lincoln at like a, a high school somewhere, and we would, you know, I'd eat dinner at his house and stuff, and he's just a great guy. And so it was kind of like, Lincoln was sort of my end to be okay with being, have it be okay for me to be at Iowa because I was really helping out Lincoln and I was going to go down to 38 and, uh, you know, stay out of Lincoln's way. And, 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 uh, so I was a good partner for him. So they kind of, they kind of went He's and awesome, and wrestle there. And, uh, we all, oh, yeah, he's the best. And Gable, Gable, when I would work out with Lincoln, Gable would be there, you know, but he wouldn't be coaching me. He'd be coaching Lincoln and, you know, and I was just sort of just trying to get, you know, my wheels back in, back in the lane and get back, get somewhere near the top or to the top. And working out with Lincoln was a real good, big advantage and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you kind of feel for you because you're at Iowa, but no one's really coaching you there. You're just kind of there doing your own thing. Yeah. Um, but then at Oklahoma State at this time, you have Eric Guerrero, another phenom. Um, I, I just, I'm just fascinated by all these, just these battles and these rivalries. I think it's awesome. Um, as we kind of wind down here, I'd love to ask just about 2020. There's some incredible, incredibly deep weight classes. You know, 125 and a half. You got Gilman, Fix, Spencer Lee. You have. Um, Soriano coming down. I mean, who do you who do you like on the Olympic team for 2020? Man, I don't even know. I swear to God, I have I'm not making any predictions <laughs> on anything. I don't even know the weight classes that are in the Olympics. I just know that there's going to be a bunch of studs battling for very few spots, and I have no idea where where people are going. So when you you name those names in just that weight class, it's just like wow. Uh, Not I to mention, no so you got date, but are you forgetting date and fix? He no, 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 too, no. Right? So it's fix, Thomas Gilman, Spencer Lee, Nick Soriano. That's one twenty-five and a half, and then you have all the guys from the the thirty-three weight class that's being eliminated. Because in the worlds uh-huh. they have ten weights, in the Olympics they have six. 
So all the guys at yeah, 133, yeah. like Tyler Graff and Sean Garrett and Joe Colon, yeah. they got to come yeah. down too. So, wow. dude, so that's that. <laughs> and then at Burrow's weight, you have Jason Nolf, Imar, <sighs> Tyler Dake. It's like, and then you uh-huh. have that guy from Virginia Tech, Mickey Lewis, who is what a world you, champ. You, you forgetting Derringer? Derringer's and going D. up. Oh, is he? Okay. So Derringer's going up. So that weight class is. Then you might be forgetting uh, the guy from Arizona State, the Phenom. Valencia. And then Mark Hall. So they're all going yeah. up as well. So that next weight up, that's this is the craziest weight. You got David Taylor, Jaden Cox, yeah. Derringer, yeah. Keep going. Valencia. Mark Hall, Bo Nickel. Wow. Wow. Now, that is tougher than anything I think I've ever faced in my life. And I, and I think anybody from my era would, could say that. Right. You know, even John Kenny, Brand, whoever, probably never had a weight class that stacked. No. No. Like you had like, are we agreeing? Oh, totally. Yeah, no, we're agreeing hundred okay. percent. Like back in like the yeah. early nineties when we won the world title on 93, 95, there was guys like too deep, like Kenny Monday, Dave Schultz, um, Kendall Cross, Terry Brands, but too deep was it now? Yeah. I mean, Bo Nichols on our five U- deep, five deep. And like Bo yeah. Nichols on our U23 world team, he's probably going to win a world title at the U23 worlds in a couple, I think it's a couple of weeks away. Like Valencia Junior World Champ, Mark Hall Junior World Champ, David Taylor, Jaden Cox. To me, Jaden Cox is a, one of the top five wrestlers in the world of any country right now. He's so good. Um, yeah, that move, that move that he hit on that guy in the finals, where he just swiped his leg out without touching it. <laughs> yeah, dude. A, I don't see how he doesn't he doesn't get four points for that. He's a the, the guy goes right across his back. I know. You know, I know. But anyway, that was that was one of the most incredible like uh things I've ever seen. And he's yeah, he's a big guy too, and he he's fast as as a little guy. So I'm wait, surprised, what were you just saying? I'm surprised I, he's not going up to Snyder's weight, honestly. Because he's so big. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't I it's ridiculous. And then dude, Snyder just Five. transferred to the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club. That's that's pretty big news out in your neck of the woods too. Right, I just heard that my uh, coach Lima. He just told me about that. So he's got. I guess he's got more partners out there. or Something. Yeah. That's. I know. He, well, they got it. They got their work cut out for them. No doubt, man. It's going to be fun to see the season progress. And if you do make it out to the trials and uh, Penn State, I think you said you were going to go. We'll we'll meet up, grab a beer, and and yeah, man. I I just want to thank you for taking some time to join the podcast today. I had a lot of fun. I did too. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate it, and I, I wish you well, and uh, and and huge audiences and everything across other sports and everything else like that, and just across the whole spectrum. And are you gonna ask me now how wrestling changed my life? Yes, indeed. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I think wrestling changed my life uh, by kind of like protecting me from myself and giving me an outlet and a path to uh, achieve success um, with, with some of the things that, that, that God gave me and that I developed, uh, a fighting spirit that I think God gave me, and, 
and it gave me a routine to put that fighting spirit into practice and opened up so many doors for me throughout my life since, you know, I began on the wrestling path and all those different directions that I went through the years, all those different doors were opened up for me by, in some way through wrestling, through my, the name I made in wrestling and the friends I made across the country in wrestling. Uh, and the, and the community of wrestling people, I think is one of the classiest, uh, Americana, I use that word. Um, just old school, great people across the whole country that uh, come together over the, over the greatest sport that, that was ever uh, discovered, you know, just, just uh, wrestling for, uh, for bragging rights, you know, see who can take who down. Dude, you're exactly right about the people. Like when you go to a wrestling tournament and you get back to normal life and you go to the office, you're like, these people are just like half the men I was just hanging out with. You know, I was hanging out with really, really good people who are salt of the earth. And this normal people aren't like that. I know. I agree with you. The same thing. And that's, that's what just keeps bringing me back to that, to the community of wrestling versus, uh, you know, my white collar, uh, attempts at white collar life. It's not for everybody, man. I'm kind of that same way. I'm hoping to eventually get the podcast to a level where I can do it all the time. And, uh, we'll see, man. It's, it's part of it though, but I'm with you, man. It's, you just like being around wrestlers. I like talking to them, and it, you know it's obviously a great community. And it's only beginning, baby. That season's about to get started for us. And I wish you and the club best of luck. Hey, if someone's in Ohio listening to this and they want to work out with you guys, where do they find you? Oh, uh, we practice. We're two one six wrestling club. That's the numbers two one six. That's the area code for Cleveland, basically. Two one six wrestling club. We practice in Hudson, Ohio at the Western Reserve Academy, which is a high school-age boarding school with very nice facilities for us to have as a wrestling room. Coached by, uh, they're coached now by Coach Gordon, who built up Wyoming Seminary over the years. Oh, yeah. Powerhouse. And so, and we've got three or four of our eighth graders are now enrolled at Western Reserve on their team, so he's building up a team here now, too. And, uh, you know, we're going to be on the high school high school staff too and focus on the youth though but but we'll be uh you know we'll, we'll be pounding four hours a day in the room coming up pretty soon uh for the whole season me and coach lima helping out with the high school and then maybe coaching them on some trips and then focusing on the youth and building up that western reserve team that's awesome man and there's there's something we were, when we were talking and you're naming all those names about the olympics and there was one point and i i'm going to remember it the second we hang up and i just want to say that i forgot what i was going to say but i know i could tell when we were talking about it you were trying to come back to something (laughs) and i'm like what the hell is he trying to come i'm like trying to think of what it was Uh, but uh something with date and fix maybe it was around that time in the conversation it was right when date and fix but i can't remember what it was i can't remember it was about me or it was about somebody else about lincoln it was just some some good point I don't know but whatever it, but whatever if you if nobody thinks I said anything smart then then uh that was the smart thing I was gonna say. <laughs> well, man, <laughs> I, I I'm glad to hear that you're back in wrestling. I hope you stay in it for uh for the rest of hopefully your life now at this point because you have a very unique perspective where 
you've been at the top. You've also had some down moments and you've also kind of experienced real life outside of wrestling. And you can, you can be there to tell people, Hey, if they're getting a lot of grief from their parents or from their girlfriend that, Hey, it's time to give up wrestling. You can say, Hey man, that was a mistake that I made. I should have stayed with it. Maybe. So like you have so many perspectives that I think it's awesome that you're in the sport and I can't wait to, uh, just to see your guys wrestle and to see you back at it, man. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.